Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue, a podcast about living life on mission for the glory of God. My name is David Rudy, and I'm the pastor in Doxa Church, and I am joined by my wife, Julie. How are you, Julie? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day here today. I almost said my huffing and puffing wife, Julie. Why is that, Julie? I just ran Monroe over to the neighbor to play. They're outside. There are friends. And... I ran back and David had the podcast equipment set up and he's like, let's go. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm out of breath. And I just had what I affectionately called a power cookie. Some people have power bars. You made chocolate chip cookies last night. And I was like, before this podcast, I am going to have myself one of those chocolate chip cookies. They're not really power cookies, but if you want to think so. I feel great. There's a lot of junk in those cookies. (laughs) I feel really good. And I know it's almost summer. It's almost here. Yes, we love the summer and woohoo for going to the beach and seeing some family this summer. Hopefully you as a listener are going to be able to enjoy the sun and the great weather in the summertime. Of course. And we really tried hard to get this part six, our final episode in the parenting series in before the summer. It's happening. Now, if you've been with us all the way through, you'll understand this. The first five episodes, we looked at a specific biblical passage, and we just broke down, here's what the scripture says. Now, we added and included in there the applications that we're picking up as we go through this. We're not parenting experts. Yeah, so some of those applications are a little nuanced from here and there. Yeah, we're in the middle of it. We're learning as we go, and we thought we'd share what we're learning with you. And in this last episode... We're going to be doing it a little differently. We're going to specifically look at topics that we've heard you talk about because we've been doing this for a month and a half now, a lot of parenting conversations with a lot of you listeners, and there's some specific issues that we just thought we could throw them all together in almost like a feedback, answer question format. Yeah, as we were prepping for all the podcasts from the beginning of this, we'd make notes and talk through it. And some of these topics just didn't really fit in the first five episodes. And so we were like, hey, let's make a hodgepodge episode of these topics that don't really fit in the other ones, but we need to address them. So this is that episode. I think a great place to start here will be with friends huge piece of raising your kids that we didn't directly address beforehand. We might have offhand talked about it here and there, but friends are a big deal. Yeah, and the Bible has a lot to say about friends. You look in Proverbs. Proverbs talks about a wise man, a foolish man, and it's our job as a parent to model friendship, friendship in our marriage, friendship with people in our church, our neighbors, just people we come in contact with are we as a parent being a model friend and then also are we in the know with who our kids are hanging out with yeah we can be really on top of influences right for our children what kind of movies are they watching what are they watching on tv what's going on on the phone situation we can stay on top of that and it's almost like those things are such a mountain to scale and so overwhelming Mm -hmm. The number one influencer that at least used to be the number one influencer that everybody understood of who are your kids hanging around has almost like gotten pushed aside over to the back burner in a way. I've noticed that. It's easy to fall into that trap. 
But the kids that your children are spending time with are directly influencing how they think, what they say, what they're singing, all of that, mm-hmm. all of that. So we as parents have to be very on top of who are you hanging out with and what are they talking about? This is where we start asking questions. Yeah, and your kids are probably going to make bad friend choices. And that's a teaching opportunity. Yep. When your child says, so-and-so said this, and you're like, what? Why are they talking about that and whatnot? <laughs> Well, let's use that as a teaching opportunity. Hey, what does the Bible says about what your friend just shared with you? Do you think that's being a good friend, a godly friend? Okay, mm-hmm. so we are called to be kind to everyone, so we're going to still be kind to this person. But do you think you need to spend a lot of time with that person and let those things influence you? Mm-hmm. Let those things be conversations that you have with your kids. It's been encouraging this year, honestly, just to hear Beckham and even Paxton to a certain extent talk about things that some of their friends are more like acquaintances do at school and but when they bring up hey he said this he did this you can point out and help your kid think through like wow that wasn't being friendly right like Mm -hmm. that wasn't kind and considerate and so the more you talk about that you're painting a picture for your own children of what kind of friends they need to be and what kind of friends they need to be hanging out with yeah it's easy to you know kind of point your fingers at their friends and say well you're telling me that they're cheating a lot in school and that this person's saying these words on the soccer field and you just point fingers. And really, we should be pointing our fingers back at us and what kind of a friend are we? Yeah. And honestly, it's fun to get to know your kids' friends in a way through your own kids, right? Asking your kids questions like, oh yeah, what happened? The more you're showing interest and getting involved with what happened in their day and who said what and what's going on. Like you get to know these kids. You learn slowly by asking questions more about their home situation. Like what does their mom and dad do? Do they have brothers and sisters? And the more you paint that picture, you get a much better idea yourself of understanding, okay, this is a kid that is a good influence. I want my kid to spend time with him. This one, not so much. That reminds me actually of a professor I had in college. She had a teenager at the time when I was in college and she would just share some of her life before class with us. And she shared this with our class and it stuck with me. She said, you want to be a home where your kids' friends want to be. So you need to create an environment in your home where your kids want to be there, but also their friends want to be there. So you know what's going on. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, that's like kind of brilliant. (laughs) I want to, you know, Lord willing, I thought in that moment, if I have kids one day, I want to do that. I want to be that home that my kids feel loved in and, and homey in that they want to have friends in. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the home, I know, Julie, you wanted to say a little specifically to the moms out there. Yes. Moms, I want to just take a minute, actually probably more than a minute in this podcast and talk about just a couple things. One of them is mom guilt. Mom guilt is very real. See, I didn't even really know mom guilt existed. This was a new concept for me that you shared a little yes, while ago. Yes, I told David I wanted to talk about this. He's like, what is that? So some of you moms are probably laughing like, what? (laughs) Of course, it's a thing. What is mom guilt? Mom guilt is a feeling that you are not good enough, that you are not measuring up. Sometimes it's because there's things out of your control. Sometimes there's things out of your control of things happening to your child. And 
I just want to share some encouragement and some advice on this. When you are feeling mom guilt, ask yourself, is there a reason I'm feeling this way? Is there something that I'm actually being convicted by the Holy Spirit of that I can change and I need to repent of and work on this? Because sometimes that is the case. Maybe you aren't doing your best as a mom and you're making selfish choices and there's things that you can change. And sometimes there's things you can't. And what do you do with those? You leave them at the foot of the cross and you pray through it. We are in a sin-filled world. We aren't ever going to be a perfect mom that measures up to these standards. And one thing I think that clouds our view of this in our day and age is social media. Because what happens is we tend to compare ourselves to other moms and we we kind of only see a highlight reel reel a lot of times of well they had the Pinterest crafts in the morning and they <laughs> their house is super clean and I'm over here with a sink full of dishes and I haven't showered in four days and (laughs) you just kind of feel like, well, I'm not good enough and look what they're doing. You need to tune that out. Comparison is the thief of joy. And you need to realize that God gave you those kids that you have for a reason and that your life is special and unique and different than theirs. Yeah, it's so simple. The perfect Instagram life is not reality. And as a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, He does not want you to have guilt or shame. No. Because he took your guilt and shame upon the cross. So if you are wrestling with that, and this goes for dads as well, as moms here, just to wrap this piece up, you have to actually go back to what is your identity. In Christ, you are made new. You are a new creature. You have a new reason and passion to live. And so, yeah, comparing yourself to all these other people thinking, oh, man, I'm not spending enough time with my kid or, oh, no, I'm not able to provide enough for my kid or I missed this shot in the soccer game or whatever it is that you're feeling guilt about. Just understand the Lord knows that you're not perfect. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, he is and his love is greater. And we don't need to be upset and feel guilty about things that are outside of our control. And like you said, Julie, if it's something that we need to change, let's change it. Yeah. Take those inadequacies to the Lord and ask him to fill in the gaps. Maybe you are a working mom and you're not able to stay home with your kids and and you feel guilty about that. Well, you have to do what the Lord's called you to do for you and your family. And God is going to give you grace and mercy to get through that season if that's a struggle for you. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes you do need to go back to your kids and have a conversation. There's been a couple times the last few days, like one instance where we were doing a family workout and Beckham didn't want to do it. He's having a really bad attitude about it. We were doing this P90X because Monroe and Paxton really wanted to do it. <laughs> and Beckham was having really bad form. And I was like, hey, Beckham, look at me. This is the right form. And he kind of gave me a quick look and just looked away. He was just all in the mood. And I lost my cool. And got sharp. I said, hey, Beckham, stop. Look at me. And I really came down harshly on him. And you reminded me, after I put the kids to bed, you pointed it out to me like, David, that was a little rough. And I was like, you're right. So I went and, I mean, it's kind of a long story, but sometimes our kids will have apple cider vinegar as a discipline. And my mom had just given us stuff straight from the 90s. If you remember this, you were a millennial like myself, but 
barley green. It's, <laughs> it's like grass. It is so very healthy bad. for you. Very, very healthy, very untasty. But the boys didn't even know about it. So I just put a huge glass of it. And I was like, hey, guys, I know sometimes when you talk disrespectfully or when you lie, we discipline you this way. I really feel bad the way I talk to you, Beckham. So I'm going to drink this. And I drank it in front of them. It was gross. I had a face and all. And they laughed. And it, it ended the night really well. And then last night, we were talking about something. We were talking about a woman soccer player who happens to be a very bitter antagonistic person against christianity and like so they were asking me questions about that and i was just explaining like oh yeah this is who she is this is where she's at after we went to bed i felt like you know what i didn't really convey what we just saw in romans 12 after i preached in romans 12 of blessing those who persecute you and i this morning on the ride home from school i just said hey guys hey here's what this passage says and i didn't think i conveyed the right tone to you about that so it's okay to correct yourself and then you move on. You just don't have to dwell yeah, on that. You have that red button in the back of your pocket to push and say, pause. Hey, you know what, child? I messed up here. We need to regroup yeah. and this is how we're going to move forward. Yeah, that's a great topic, Julie. Thanks for sharing all that to the ladies. Yes. There's one other thing that I think is really important in training little kids when they are two to six. And this will set you up for success as they get older. And it is not letting your kids interrupt. When you are talking on the phone to an adult or you are maybe disciplining another child if you have multiple kids in your home or you are having a conversation at church with an adult and they feel the need to just come blur interrupt they've got xyz to say it is our job as parents to redirect that and teach them not to do that and why is that important david if you don't teach them that when they're young they're gonna have the world revolve around them and they're gonna interject themselves when they don't need to interject themselves and they're gonna be annoying for other people down the road and it's just basic of communicating well and fitting in with others yeah and one thing that i have learned in parenting multiple kids now that i continually am learning is that your first kid you try things and you don't really get it all (laughs) and then as you have more kids you already have a plan in place like, hey, I should have started this earlier, so I'm going to do that. So with Monroe, one thing that I have taught her is if I am talking with an adult or on the phone, if you have something important to say, you can come touch my arm, and that communicates to me that you have something to say, and then I know, hey, she has something to say, I will talk to her at the appropriate time of break in conversation. We've also taught them if there's an emergency, if there's blood, throw up, (laughs) someone's dying they can definitely interrupt yeah another parallel to that too you say something to a kid and the kid just doesn't respond at all right Mm -hmm. when that happens as an adult when you're speaking to another kid i'll be honest that's what i think is like man what's going on here like this kid isn't taught how to actually relate and converse with other people and It's something that you do have to train your kids to do. If I'm talking to someone else, you don't need to talk right now. You don't need to jut in and say what you think needs to be the discipline or what you think needs to be said or defend Mm -hmm. yourself, right? And 
if I say something to you as a child, you need to respond in an affirmation that I know you heard me, right? And it goes both ways. It goes the way for adults as well. But that's just a very little thing. I don't know, maybe it's a pet peeve, but I think if you can teach your kids how to respond, just simply, oh yeah, I understand. Thanks for sharing that. That goes a long way in interdynamics of communication. Yes. Now we have a little hot button topic. Are you ready for it, David? Yeah, we've gotten a lot of comments about this one. The birds and the bees. We're not going to get into everything you need to say about the birds and the bees, obviously. (laughs) This is not the podcast for that. But a few thoughts I have on it. In today's day and age, our culture is overly saturated sexually, like more than ever. And that's saying something because it was bad when I was a kid and it was bad in the 70s, but it's gotten progressively worse and worse. So you need to have the conversation earlier than you think you do and doesn't need to just happen once it needs to be early and often yeah if you're in the millennial generation give or take a few years it probably means your parents are boomers and the way their generation handled the birds and the bees talk was if it happened i have several friends where parents didn't even have the talk at all but if it did happen it was a one and done thing And it wasn't very clear. And because of our hypersexual world, that is just not the case. And I actually had kind of a light bulb moment with this. A couple years ago, I saw a video from Ted Tripp. And he shared that, that you have got to be hyperactive with your kid on this in having the conversation, making it normal to be able to have a dialogue and it doesn't mean going into nitty gritty detail Mm -hmm. but it just means that there's communication about it yeah and you got to go into enough detail to where it's not so vague that they don't know what's going on and their curiosity is just perked and then they start talking to other people and other kids about it right because kids are going to be kids and they're going to talk themselves so you may as well be the person who takes the lead on that conversation wouldn't you want to take the lead on that conversation yes (laughs) but yeah it even goes into we talk about, I mean, we don't, we don't want to push relationships on our kids or anything like that, but we'll joke around about like, oh, who do you like? Do you think she's cute? You'll joke around about stuff like uh-huh. that. And I think it's healthy to get your kids to the point where they're not just secretive about all this stuff, but like it's an open thing that is discussed. And when you establish that early, it sets you up to have deeper conversations later on when things do get more serious. Yeah. When we sit around at dinner and have our conversations about the highs and lows, the other day um, Beckham shared that there was a girl in his class that liked him. And we all (laughs) laughed about it because he doesn't like her in that way. He's like, oh, mom, I'm really kind to her. I just don't like her in that way. I'm like, good. That's great. Yeah. So have fun with that. And just... Take that to heart. It's a very important thing that we really need to stay on. Yeah. And this is something that you have to pray through as a mom or dad or as a couple. And the Lord is going to show you the timing on all of this. It's not a cut and dry. We can't give you an age for every kid. Every kid is different. Every situation is different. But you need to be active about it and taking it to the Lord. Absolutely. 
And I mean, right along with this is the whole topic of phones. This is something that we have gotten a number of questions on, probably because we've talked about phones a decent amount in these first few podcasts, because it is a huge, huge, huge issue today. But you got to ask the question, why am I giving my kid a phone? What are some bad reasons? Bad reasons for giving your phone? Yeah. yeah. I want them to fit in. All their friends have phones. Very bad reason. Yeah. Or, oh, I just want them to feel safe and I want to feel safe. It sounds a little better, but they don't have to have unlimited internet access to stay in the contact there with you. There are technology pieces around where if that is a concern for you and that's legitimate there's phones where all they can do is text and they can only text the numbers you put on and you have controls on it see i'm just so old school when it comes to that argument i'm gonna sound like an old man here but i didn't get a phone until i was a senior in college like i rode my bike all over town playing (laughs) basketball i never had a phone it was never an issue if you have to get a hold of somebody There's plenty of phones out there that you can use. But I do get that the world is less safe today than it was before. So things have changed for sure. And that is an individual decision that you really do have to make. It's just not the be all end all. I got to give them a phone because of security reasons. Another bad reason I think is just my kid really wants it. They really, really want it. They ask me all the time. I'll get them off my back. So I'll just give them a phone. That's not a good reason. Because the loving thing to do is to be the parent and protect your kids from something that's going to negatively harm them. And if your kid isn't old enough to handle the responsibility that comes with that, the temptation that's going to come with that, it's a really bad idea to give them something that they can't handle. Yeah. Think about you as an adult. Do you struggle with being on your phone too much? I mean, I know I do. Yeah. And I'm an adult. How is your kid prepared to fight that temptation? And I really believe that when we look back at this time period Mm -hmm. in about five to 10 years, I don't know when this will be. There's going to be a generation that does not give their kids phones. Yeah. Well, think about it. We used to look back at like, oh, wow. Remember when everybody smoked cigarettes? People didn't realize how bad cigarettes were for your lungs, right? Mm -hmm. The information wasn't out there. And it took time for people to realize, oh, this is really, really messing people up with their health. The data is really coming in. When a kid gets a phone too young, they lose communication skills. They lose the ability to think through and and actually talk through things with people. Anxiety comes in. Comparison comes in. Everything revolves around that, that shiny device that has all the information and I can connect anywhere. But then you lose real relationships with people. So yeah, I do think we're going to look back at this time period and be like, what were we doing handing all these kids phones? And I would ask you, maybe you've given your young kid a phone. I would just ask you, did you pray about that? And maybe you did and you have parameters in place and that's great. I would ask, what are maybe your top five reasons for giving your kid a phone? And where does that land in scripture? Yeah. Bottom line, we do live in a much different world than our parents when they were raising us as kids. Yeah, there it's wasn't far more degenerate. just unlimited internet. You heard no. the <laughs> dial up <laughs> coming yeah. in. Yeah, but it's easy to miss that, wait, 
you know, the things that we don't even think about right now, your kids are dealing with, and it all revolves around technology and phones and the increased pressure that it brings these kids. So, I mean, hold off as long as you can. But at the same time, I don't think it's one of those things where just never give them one and just let them like sink or swim when they're you out of home. You have to teach them and you have to realize they're going to mess up yep. and you have to teach through that. But if you are in a season where your kid is ready for a phone, what are your boundaries for that? What ground rules do you have? I read a book entitled Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. And in this book, she shares about her teenagers and they had to prove themselves before they got a phone. And when they did get a phone, they wrote out a contract Nice. and the kid had to sign it and it just was very detailed and they knew if they broke any of them, the phone was gone. That's a really good way to do it. Cause I mean, you do want to be the parent in that situation too and help them navigate that at the beginning. So there has to be a time where I would rather be the person that helps them learn through it help them think through the mistakes, take it to the Lord. That's an important part of your parenting in today's day and age. But that's a great call. That's a great call. So even if you're in a place where, wow, we've already done it, we can already see the negative effects that it's having, it's already becoming an issue, there's nothing wrong with going to your kid, explaining, hey, here's why. I know you're not going to want to hear this, but here's some limitations we're going to put. Here's some rules we're going to put in place. Yeah, I really have a hard time understanding why kids have internet on their phone that they're allowed to just get on whatever Wi-Fi. We live in a horrible world. You get on YouTube and it might be an innocent video that they're watching and the ads and the videos that it takes them to quickly can be very devastating. And I would just ask like, what are you doing? Think through in five years, the implications of that, you're going to be partly to blame for that because you handed it to them. Was that really the loving choice? Think through, and if you are allowing them to have it, what are your safeguards? Are you having filters? Are you talking through the dangers of the internet? There's a book that we recently came in contact with called Good Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And there's two versions. There's one for, it's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior, and then just the one for older kids. And it's not a Christian author, At the same time, it's just talking through what pornography is, what it does to your brain, and it breaks it down in a kid palatable form. Yeah, I read this book to Beckham, I believe when he was eight. The author might be a Christian, I'm not sure. It's just not like overtly Christian. So it's broad enough to really fit. And it was an excellent book. I mean, Paxton was like in the background. He was like probably close to six when I read it. We actually need to go over this book again. Right. Because it has a story with like a little boy and his mom and it's just very carefully giving kids the background on like, oh, this is objectifying. Like they explain that on like a kid level. It's super helpful. Look it up. Good pictures, bad pictures. That will be our resource recommendation for the week. Yes. Slid that one in there early. I like that, Julie. But that just brings up the topic of pornography and how... It is getting worse and worse, girls and boys. And parents, what are you doing about it? I think we as parents, we have to first of all start with ourselves. And a lot of the stuff that we're talking about with phones, right? 
Like we have to scale it back. Am I on my phone too much? Am I actually engaging, making eye contact? Is my Mm -hmm. phone put away at the dinner table? When I'm casually just sitting on the couch, everybody's hanging out and the kids don't have a phone, are the parents both sitting there on their phones? Like, what is that teaching your kid, right? Like, mm-hmm. we have to take ownership and of this And we are very first. guilty of this. And I think bringing it up is a good reminder to be cognizant of it and yeah. to make some changes. Yeah. Because we can all see when that little kid is outside or at the grocery store and this kid can barely talk and they're just staring at a screen. Like, reconsider what you're doing there. Please just reconsider. But teaching people how to engage in the real world is always going to be beneficial. Same goes for us. And then with pornography, it's devastating. Mm -hmm. Even the world is starting to figure that out. For the longest time, it was just a joke. It was just accepted. Oh, well, men will be men. They like it. And it's not really that big of a deal. It's not hurting anybody. No, it is hurting a lot of Direct people. Direct link to sex trafficking. Yes. It is affecting men to the point where they are having problems in their marriage. And you're right. I'm glad you brought up it's not just a man thing anymore. Like it's it's gotten so bad. It's definitely into both genders struggle with this. And we just have to help one another out. And you have to take that to the cross. Like I honestly don't think getting an accountability group is the way to get victory over something like this. It can help. It's not a bad thing, but your heart has to be transformed. Right. And has to want to change and turn away from it. Right. One last quick thing here before I talk more about the heart, because I'm really glad you said that. But in today's day and age with sexual assault, with SA, it's actually a pretty good idea to also, at a young age... Talk to your kids in a way where you're describing the actual name of anatomy. Mm-hmm. It actually helps your kid in a sense that they actually know what these things really are, what the real terms are. And if there's ever a, God forbid, horrific situation that comes into play, they can actually articulate it. Do you have anything else you'd like to add on that? Yeah, the statistics on sexual abuse is that most of the time when it happens, the person doing it is a close friend, family member. It's someone trusted. That's so scary. We have to be so vigilant with our kids and teaching them to be careful, knowing where they're at, who they're with. And it's come to the point where we just have decided a long time ago, we don't do sleepovers. No. The cons, in our opinion, far outweigh the pros. And it doesn't mean as they get older, we won't do late nighters where they can stay late at a friend's house and and things like that. But you don't know who's going to be in that home. You love their parents and you know the friend is great, but you don't know. There could be an older cousin that comes that happens to show up that day or an older brother or sister that's in the equation. And you're right. The word vigilant is a very good word. You have to be vigilant on all of these areas. And it means when you're in someone else's home, you always know where your kids are and who's with them and around them. Not letting them just run off to whatever room, depending on where we're at. And that includes all public places, even church, like have awareness. You know what I mean? It's just very important. Yes. So I think a couple other quick hitters. These are just things that people have asked us about. You can't parent every kid the same. We definitely spent some time talking about that, but 
Every kid is so different. Yeah, different consequences hit differently for different kids. Sending a kid to bed early for one kid could carry a lot more weight and is actually meaningful versus the other kid could care less. Well, I'm tired, so who cares? I'm going to bed anyway. Yeah, for one of our kids, you take away dessert for the whole next day, you can't have any sugar tomorrow. That's a big one. They'll remember that. They feel that one. We had another kid last night. We had warned him of this like three straight times. He kept getting mad. And we sent him to bed an hour early, and that was... Torture. That was bad. It was rough. That one hit hard. So reading to your kids is another really good idea. And again, this falls into place of every kid is different. I think Paxson is like the most like you of all of our kids. We didn't really read a lot to him. It never really mattered as much to him. He's starting to read now. Mm -hmm. Like he went and read his Bible by himself the other day. That was really cool. But with Beckham and Monroe, we've read a lot more to them just because it just... I don't know, it just naturally fit better with them. Yeah, read to them, go to the library, it's free. Instill that. Readers are leaders, and that's your job as a parent to instill that in them. Another thing that, Julie, you've been really good at this, this is really coming from you, I've witnessed the benefits of this, is to set expectations. You want to speak a little into that? Yeah, I've had to learn this as we have parented multiple kids and still ongoing, but having foresight with what your child is like, what sets them off in being able to set expectations for your schedule and what's happening. If you think of a funnel, the bottom funnel would be a little thing like, hey, we're at the pool and we're going to leave in 10 minutes. And then five minutes goes by. Hey guys, five more minutes. I'm setting the expectation of we're leaving. Now, if I came in and said, all right, get out of the pool right now, we're leaving. <laughs> it's it's going to wreak havoc. But giving those warnings, a bigger uh, picture piece of this would be, hey, we're about to go on vacation. And these are the this is the expectation. We are going to do fun things as a family. It doesn't mean that every shop we go into you are going to be able to buy something. It doesn't mean that the minute you're hungry, you get candy and a slushy every second just because we're on vacation. And part of that in setting expectations is raising grateful kids. You just gave us a great example of how obvious it is with the pool situation. Why would you not do that? But if you zoom out of that, it works the same way in so many other areas of life. Okay, it's Saturday. We're preparing for Sunday, right? Let's prepare Mm -hmm. to worship the Lord. We have a big day. Here's what's coming up tomorrow. So what do we need to do right now to prepare ahead for tomorrow? Just stuff like that is very, very helpful. Yeah, and maybe you have a kid that struggles with going to the dentist or the doctors. And if you get shots, struggle with shots. Knowing your child enough to know the time that they need to process and know what's coming and the consequences and or the reward that comes with them getting through whatever the event is. Yeah, absolutely. So to close all of this, I want to take it back to the heart. Really, your main concern as a parent should be reaching the heart of your child. Do they see that you love Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. Do they see that you follow God and that you fear him? What is the message that you're communicating? What's the overall tone? It can so easily come back to, well, do this, do that. Stop doing this. Straighten up and do right. All of the stuff with parenting, we're going to mess up. 
we're going to make mistakes. But when our kids know that we love them and that we're genuinely serious about loving Jesus and we own our own sin and we make things right when we mess it up, that's really all you need to do for them to see that your heart is in the right place Mm -hmm. and you're reaching their hearts more than you're just making them conform or perform the right way. The main goal has to be simply teaching them to love God and love others. And it really all comes back to that. Yes, it really is so simple, but yet we make it so complicated. How are you doing with your friends and teaching your kids' friends? Do you struggle with mom guilt or dad guilt, and how do you handle that? Are you having the birds and the beads talk with your kids early and often? Are you giving your kids phones too early? And if you are, what are your ground rules? Are you being consistent in it? Read to your kids, set expectations, and it really comes down to this. Love God and love others. I think that's a great way to end. And thanks for all of your feedback. It was fun to do this last episode based off of a lot of that feedback. And we're looking forward to the summer. I know you are as well. The next thing for the Doxa Dialogue will be a takeover by the Cove Ladies Ministry. Amanda and Darian, a few other ladies are going to speak into this, but they're going to do a series this summer just on all the issues that women deal with. I know they're specifically going to talk about sex. They're going to go into a lot of variables with all of that. And I think it's going to be a very, very productive thing and a very helpful thing for a lot of you. Yes. Once again, thank you for listening. Like and share this episode if you know someone who you think it would be helpful to. We'll be back soon. You are loved.